The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. Well, normal people sent Daisy Edgar Jones and Paul Meskell into the screen stratosphere in 2020 as Marianne and Conlon, the team behind that adaptation of Sally Rooney's best selling novel, now returns with conversations with friends. Director Lenny Abramson, uh, who you'll know from hits like Room and uh, Garage and Frank, among loads of others, uh, joins us to talk about the new TV series. And I know the appropriate thing to do at this point, Lenny, would be to talk about the new TV series. But yes. I have long regarded one of the things that you have done as just one of those perfect pieces of cinema. And I've never had the chance to talk to you before, so I'm going to exploit it now. I know it's 18 years ago, but can you look back on Adam and Paul with pride or is it so long since you've done it that you've forgotten it? Oh, that's well, very nice of you, Anton. Uh, yeah, no, I do look back on it with pride and great affection. And, you know, it's funny, I actually did a thing recently where they screened in my news at this festival, they screened it and I had a and a afterwards with people and I hadn't talked about it for ages, but it did make me think about it and think really fondly of it. I mean, it was the first thing myself or Mark or Halloran had ever done, you know, really of any scale. And there's something, there's a great freedom that comes with a first film, especially a low-budget first film, you know, where nobody is really expecting anything. And I remember the exhilaration of sort of doing what we wanted, really, and, and just feeling it come together and that creeping sort of sense that actually there was something really there. And, and I don't think I'll ever feel quite that, you know, pure kind of excitement around something again because it was the first time. And it's amazingly confident for a first-time film because you you allow humour and a light touch with the darkest of material, which is, you know, it's it's a brave and a mature choice for somebody who's producing their first ever feature-length film. Um, I think the good thing for me was because of, like, you know, being sort of hesitant about making my first film, I had been for a while, I'd been in and around the filmmaking world for quite a while like I made a short that traveled a bit early early on and then I made loads of tv commercials which was like a kind of boot camp you know I didn't necessarily have an emotional connection I didn't have an emotional connection to them but they were really like I don't know just in terms of sort of flying hours you know and learning the craft and that was really useful and then I also made great friends you know James May the director of photography people like that who uh, you know, Johnny Spears, the producer, like people who were really experienced. And in a way I was working, I was sort of a bit more experienced than working with people who were a bit more experienced than I had a right to on the first film. Do you know what I mean? And I think that, that and just myself and Mark had a really strong taste of what this should feel like. And you just, you just sit back into that. And But I do remember like the very first thing we shot, uh, the first morning, because we obviously shoot out of sequence largely on films. And we shot the scene where the boys mug the boy with Down syndrome. And I remember Mark and I both looking at each other and thinking, like, if we don't get this right, we will be completely, it will be the end, you know, and rightly so. But luckily it, it worked. Oh, it's a beautiful piece of work. But you mentioned then the thing of flying hours. Obviously in the 18 years, because believe it or not, it is 18 years, oh, Lenny. So, yeah. Sorry. It's nearly 20 since I actually shot it, believe it or not. We, we will put so those behind 20. us. We're still in the first flush year. Yes. Um, in the yeah. amount of flying hours since then, you've since done everything. So you've done a, a bucket of feature-length movies. You've worked in uh, both TV and um, movies. The latest is the TV project, which is Conversations with Friends. I'm intrigued as to which comes first. Do you know that the novel adaptation is headed for the TV? Or do you get the possibility and the screenplay and think this should be film or this should be television? I mean, it, this one came about in a sort of roundabout way because the 
because with normal people, which which was a novel published after Conversations with Friends, um, that happened first for various reasons. In fact, Element Pictures, you know, who I work really closely with, um, with Ed Guiney and the whole gang in here, um, they had options, Conversations with Friends, and I'd read it well before normal people. And it was being developed as a feature, but it was it was sort of hard to crack as a feature. And then normal people came out, and we looked at it, and it's so kind of directly episodic. Like when you read the novel, it switches between the two characters. There's this kind of ebb and flow to their relationship, and it really felt like television. So that started out absolutely certainly as a television adaptation from the beginning. The short episodes was a decision we made early on, all that kind of stuff. But it was in doing that that we came out the other side and said, ah, that's kind of how it works with Sally's writing. That's much a much better shape to have. Um, and so we went back to conversations with friends and, you know, went back to Sally, went back to BBC and, and Hulu and everybody and said, look, actually, we think this should be a TV series. And they said, yeah. But to answer your question more directly, I, I don't think you can start. You kind of need to know what you're trying to write towards, like, if you know, whether it's a feature or a television show. But sometimes you might discover, you know what, it's not working. Let's try it in the other in the other shape. And is there still a snobbery? Would you still have a sense that the writing for television is the lesser medium? Um, not anymore. It's funny, you know, like like high, sort of what you might call kind of high-end television or, you know, it, it really comes with the, the HBOs and all those companies that started making it. It's really 20 years ago. And in that 20 years, I think people's ideas about television have changed and also filmmakers' ideas have changed. So now a lot of filmmakers who before would have said, and I probably would have been among them, really kind of arrogantly and stupidly have said, oh, well, I make films for the cinema, I don't make them for television. Um, I don't think that's the case anymore. Directors particularly move between the two forms all the time, and there's a recognition that the stuff you can do now on television that would be really hard to do on a, for a film. Like, you know, taking conversations, for example, um, like we could have, let's say we decided, no, the shape is right, we can make it as a feature film. It would be very hard to get the cin- into the cinemas and very hard to get a big audience to get out to go out of their houses and go and see it given the landscape of cinema at the moment where like it's big 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 event movies that really dominate in the cinemas and there's very little actual screen space or in a way audience expectation for a different kind more kind of downbeat or low-key or whatever or art house to use that phrase style that's harder now in the cinema and in a funny way it works on television and so we got an audience for normal people which was like just insane in comparison to what we could have found and i'm proud of that because i don't think we compromised in how we made it but we did but we actually brought what is quite a a, a subtle style of work to a big audience and i think that's a that's a great thing to be able to do and telly lets you do it does that mean then lenny that some of the the, the things that you would have brought to the screen previously you would now struggle to get onto the screen. I'm thinking of something like Room where you are so constrained by definition yeah. of the narrative in, in how you shoot and what you shoot. Yeah. E- even something like Frank where so much of it is quirky character arc. Oh yeah. Is there a market it, for that it, now? Totally. It, I mean, there are some films that will get through um, but if you look deep down you'll usually find this is quite a big sort of some some people or an entity with a lot of muscle behind to really push it hard. Like, I'm thinking about Room Making room without a star, which is what we did, would be harder now. Would be a lot harder now, you know, um, because and I don't think it's. I think audiences can still be. I don't think people's ability to, you know, fall in love with something more difficult or challenging has has lessened. I just think 
it's it's now like structurally really hard to get that stuff into cinemas. Now, having said that, I am working on stuff now that I want to um, make. Now it's challenging enough, and I want it. To, it feels like it should be for the cinema, but actually, in a funny way, just having had some success, then you become part of that thing that might push it into a you know into that small group of films that can get through into the cinemas that are not like you know obviously blockbuster oh as in you're now you you become that guy who is attached to the project we have Lenny Abraham attached it therefore carries more heft than it might just as a screenplay it it, it carries a little bit more heft yeah and only because um, like I I always say it's a bit like horse racing you know people will just they're backing you because you've done it before and it's worked and um or because and the reason why a, a director will have heft actually unless you're spielberg or or you know one of the very few directors that has a really public name recognition the reason the director has heft is actually because the director will attract actors if the director has a good reputation that's the big reason so in other words if you have a reputation of working well with actors and actors like your work then for a smaller film or a more difficult film, there's a much bigger chance that with your name attached, you'll be able to work with somebody that the studio then thinks, oh, okay, then we can sell it. They're not selling it on your name, but they are they are backing it because they think you might bring talent, as they call it, you know, at a certain level. So it's all very, it's all messy and, you know, uh, and it's changing all the time. So none of us really know, I think, what the landscape's going to be in even five years from now. But it's interesting that something of such a large scale as Hollywood production can come down to the relatively tight network, the actors, I assume as well some of the technical crew, the cinematographers, the people who rub along with you, who yes. who everybody will know, well, you'll bring them as a cohort. Can I ask you something about the, the TV thing, particularly in respect of conversations with friends? What do you do about parceling out the direction for something that is episodic? Do you yeah. say, I am going to be behind the lens for every single one, or is that too overwhelming for a director? I mean, it can happen, and it does happen, where a director does every one. On the schedule that we had on both Normal People and Conversations, where there was a kind of broadcast date in the diary, it just wouldn't have been possible because I would have had to be editing episodes and shooting at the same time, which you can't do. So, um, But also for me, I, I like... I have the luxury of starting off the project, in other words. Um, so I'd be sort of at the center of the casting and the crewing and um, setting up a style for the show and making it feel a certain way. Um, and that's a, a privilege which, I, which, is, which is great because you have a lot of influence then. And I'm a producer, an exec producer on it as well. So I'd have oversight across all the episodes as that. But as a director, it's about finding somebody that you kind of have an affinity with, and we were really lucky on Conversations with Friends to work with this wonderful British director called Leanne Wellam. And she, so the way it's worked on this one is I've done seven episodes of the 12. I've done one to five and 11 and 12. And Leanne has done um, six to 10 and done an amazing job. And actually, there's definitely, there's, like she's brought her own thing to it. But and it do you, you don't find that difficult from a, from a control freak perspective? I mean, like, yes, to the extent that I am like there is that control freakery it's kind of a job it's almost like in the job description and so there but actually I'm, I think I've reached a point now where I'm able to sit back a little bit and take my kind of director's hat off and go wow that's actually interesting you know I mightn't have done it like that but that's what she has done is that brings another dimension to it and I feel like um, I think it can be really tricky or it can work really well and I also think there is a part at which like when you reach the point 
where you finishing you're finishing your block now with me it was nice because i was coming back for two episodes again after leanne's block so i knew i was going to see the cast again and work with them but there was something really weird about stepping off the train at a station that isn't the destination you know and sort of letting somebody else come in um but that is the nature of television and and i feel like i have sort of 90 like 80 percent of what i would have in a feature is still there in the in the show if you know what i mean and, and I can imagine in the future if if there was something really very specific that it would make sense to do everything. But that's also exhaustion, you know. Like we shot, I think the whole shoot for Conversations with Friends was about 135 days or something like that, and spread over many months. And you know, some of them were six day weeks and things like that. And like you do reach a point where it's quite nice to be able to, uh, you know, because that would be a very long feature. Um, and then I would have had to go, I did about 75 days and I would have had to go on for the rest of it. And I think it benefited from new energy and, you know, a new set of eyes. Well, I, I should say Conversation with Friends, RT1 from Wednesday the 18th of May. It's on at 9.35 and it airs over, I think they're doing it over six weeks with two episodes each Wednesday night at the, the 9.35. Before I let you go, Lenny, do you feel any moral culpability or responsibility for those that you turn into stars? When you look at somebody as an unknown actor and you think, I'm going to put you in something there, I'm fairly sure it's going to shoot yeah. you into stardom. Are you going to be an okay human at the other end of it? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I think we all involved here do think about it. And actually, I would, like I think, say with Paul and Daisy and Alison Oliver, who's this, you know, the incredible, at the centre of Conversation with Friends, she's stunningly good and straight out of drama school and out of the Lear, another brilliant graduate of the Lear. Um, I, I think part of it is, I don't think I would cast somebody if I felt they were very, like, fragile, you know, as a person, um, in, in, in a way that you know that they're going to suddenly be in the absolute centre of media attention and potentially have a kind of a sh- complete shift in their way, the way that they live. And then also, I think, hands on heart, I can say that the way we work, like we really do mind the people that we work with. And I think what you're giving somebody is, is a very positive experience that I think they can bring to other productions and know what they should be able to expect. You know, and, and that's, that's a good, to give somebody a good kind of initial, like, taste of the industry and best practice and all that. And then, like, finally, I would say that I have in a really lovely way, stayed friends. And I think a lot of us have, Ed has, and the rest of us with the people like with Paul and Daisy and with, with other people that have worked with Jack Rayner, with, you know, lots of younger actors and would hope to be there to advise. And I don't you know, know it, it all... sounds, I think you're missing all the fun. I, I much prefer the Kubrick approach of make them do 164 takes, destroy their self-esteem, <laughs> leave them as hollowed out shells. <laughs> I think that was actually Kubrick for himself. Like, you know, some people just have to work in that way. Like, but, but I think you can get just as much intensity and rawness in a humane way. I really do. I, I would, like, I think, you know, I've had this conversation a lot with people, but if you look at, like, Fincher does a million, million takes, right? And I actually don't think there is a massive difference between take 15 and take 34. But I think in somehow in his way of working, that's important for him. And actually, that's valid. You know, if that's how he gets to where he needs to get to, um, but uh, I, I think there are other ways to go, and and if it can be kind of good for people as well, then all the better. Uh, final thing, the you said earlier on that you had something in the back of your head that you were intending to bring to cinema in in the next while. What is it? 
Yes. Well, I want, without going into the kind of, it's entirely sort of out of my head in, in the sense that it's um, like, not it's not autobiographical. It would be sort of shifted, but it's a little bit connected to my background and sort of set in across um, really from the 50s to the kind of early 2000s and um, just a whole bunch of things that I want to think about and that I can kind of put into this form. And it's really interesting you ask about the television cinema thing because it would either be, it could really fit as a really great piece of television or the kind of purest version might be like as a, as a set of films. Like if, if I was, if I live long enough and I'm healthy and every, anybody wants to fund it, like you can imagine three films um, that would, would tell the story. But so that's really what I'm thinking about at the moment. It is great to meet a man who not only has a movie within him, but has a trilogy quietly bubbling away. <laughs> we, we look forward to <laughs> seeing them. <laughs> Lenny, thank you very much for all your time this morning. That Anton, is Lenny Everett. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.